part of the Press Play Podcast Network. So like Tyvis, when I would write about Awful for Awful Unseen, this is exactly what I'd be writing about. The Cavs going on. Just valleys and just like the 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 nature of the business and carriage agreements and I feel like writing. I feel like that's so hard. Right is writing fun. I actually really enjoy it. Really? So you Mm -hmm. like to just find a story and just dig, 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 Mm -hmm. and then get all the facts and put a put an article together. Mm Mm-hmm. Dang, I could be I like a Browns Nancy Drew. I feel like I don't need to. I wouldn't want to write. I feel like I could just speak it. Yeah, you know, I feel like I could just. That's why you do what you do, and you're good speak. at it. I just, I just want to speak. Like today, I was sitting there and we was talking about G New on the show today, and how he was going at people on Twitter. He was like, yeah. I hate, I like, I hate, I like coming on here and seeing how people with that don't know nothing about football try to talk about football. So I was sitting there and I said, well, let me look at this play. <laughs> let me look at this. I said, I, maybe, you know, I'm just an undrafted free agent, you know, but I think I know a little bit. I think I'm qualified a little bit. So I was breaking down his, uh, his play, the Nico Collins play that he got beat on. Smoked him. And I'm just like, and I'm 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 not being disrespectful. Like I'm coming at him how the coach is probably gonna say the same thing. I'm like, well, at the beginning of this play, first of all, you wasn't set. You need to, you gotta get set. That's first of all. <laughs> so the, the play started bad right then and there. You in the tank, that's what we call mm-hmm. it, where you ain't even set. You're not pressed, but you're not off. You still trying to figure out what you want to do, and the ball is snapped. Then on top of that, you guessing the route. You see it's a slant. He hits you with a slant and go. You don't undercut the route trying to get the slant. You don't let yourself go on the up, wide open on that. And then on top of that, your safety, Ronnie Hickman, is a young guy. He is got looked off by CJ. He didn't give you no help. It was just bad. Man, it, it was, was just bad. bad. Yeah, the whole play was bad. He was bad. The, the defense was bad. It it just, I've heard this like a bunch of different times, but it was a bad day to have a bad day. And it's so true. Like we. Yeah, that's, that's Kevin Stefanski talk. Yeah. I mean, it was ugly. It was ugly all around. Uh, Newsom looked awful. Defense looked awful. Flacco looked awful. I mean, just you name it. It went wrong um, on Sunday and they were just incredibly outcoached, ill-prepared. Um, and it sucks, you know, I had a really, I just, I don't know, Tyvis, you and I have would text about this a little bit for each game and stuff. And like, you texted me before the game. Actually, this is like the, that was the first game. I feel like you texted me and you were like, I feel good about this because you did not feel good about the Jets. Well, 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 hold on. Let me be fair. Give me a second. I got to change. <laughs> uh, put a diaper on. <laughs> well, when Tyvis puts a diaper on. This is the Orange is Oranger Cleveland Browns yeah. podcast. I'm Holly Wetzel. He is Tavis Powell. And uh, we've been coming with you to uh, every, coming at you, I should say, every week. Uh, talking Browns. Okay. Diaper is on. All right. So listen. So the, <laughs> so I had I had two red flags from the time I talked to you and the time the game kicked off. 
which is crazy. So the first red flag, but I and I felt it. It's like when you see something, you feel it in your gut, but it's like, no, nah, no way, no way. I tried to ignore it, but I had two red flags. The first red flag was when I seen the CJ Stroud quote when they said, people say that y'all don't have a chance. And he said, they saying we don't got a chance. All right. For some odd reason, when I read that quote, I just was like, oh, shoot. Right. Yeah. And, and then the second red flag was actually it happened during pregame. I watched Miles Garrett give like his speech to the D line. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't moved at all. I was just like, that's it. I was like, oh, so that was the two red flags where I was at, at before kickoff. I was just like, I don't nah, I don't know no more. <laughs> but yeah. it, yeah. it is. I just he was a some... shell of himself too after that injury, the last however many. I mean, the, it just felt like he just kind of vanished in I mean, thin air. He... He, they, yeah, the injury definitely played a big part, but I thought that he was ramping back up because it was just like the car accident last year. You know, after he got in the car accident, yeah. he was a shell of himself for a few weeks, but then towards the end, he started ramping back up. And I thought, you know, it would be a similar thing. And it's just, I don't know. It's just like the whole month of January and like the last, I said like the last three games, he really just wasn't really the same guy. Now don't get me wrong, the different the difference why it was more disappointing in this game than the other games to me is because in this game, this was the first time all season we talked about how Miles gets double teamed and triple teamed all mm -hmm. the time. Yep. And all the or they slide the protection his way and all of these things. And as an offensive coordinator, first of all, shout out to Bobby. Bobby, if you don't know, Bobby was he worked he did the scout. He held scout team meetings with me in San Francisco. So it's incredible to see a dude that was just a scout team coach mm -hmm. now as an offensive coordinator. The same thing with TC that just got fired from the Browns, the tight end coach. He was the dude that'll put the card up and be like, Tigers, you got this on this play. So it's cool to see them, you know, get these jobs. It's unfortunate yeah. that TC got fired today. But anyways, so Bobby would like Bobby, just like every other offensive coordinator, would come in the game and say, We have to find a way to stop Miles Garrett. Like he has to be stopped. And, you know, so like I said, so many times it's been triple teams and double teams. But as this game played on, it was like Laramie was like, I don't need no double team. Right. Like, yeah. We got this, it's a one-on-one -on -one thing. For a while. Mm -hmm. And Bob and Bobby as an OC is like, wait a minute, hold on now. You can handle him by yourself. Oh, well, then if that's the case, let's get this tight end out on the route. Let's get this running back out in coverage. Like, unless we don't have to worry about sliding the line. We could just do it, whatever we want to do. And it was unfortunate because as a defensive player, as a guy who's probably going to win defensive player of the year because it is a regular season award, it was unfortunate that on the big stage, you was kind of a no-show and they needed yeah. you the most. Like, if you would have been the regular Miles Garrett in that game, it could have stopped a lot of stuff. Which we I tried to call seen, before we when we did text. I was like, yeah. Miles, it's Miles game. Wow, yeah, so you would, it, it would have stopped, you know, the deep passes because yeah. CJ wouldn't have had time to get these routes wouldn't have been able to develop deep down the field or stuff like that. But it's not just on him. It was on right. the whole, it was the whole defensive line. Dalvin Tomlinson, I thought he'd been a huge letdown in those games. I thought all the guys that you acquired, you know, all of this playoff and Super Bowl experience that you acquired, you you acquired it for that moment, and it seems like everybody just completely no showed in that game. The mm -hmm. only person that I give a slight pass to 
is Denzel because I know he messed himself up in practice on Thursday. And I realized that Denzel wasn't himself pretty early in the game. The first pass that Nico Collins caught, it was like an over route. It was like a deep mm-hmm. over route. He beat Denzel so bad. <laughs> And Denzel mm-hmm. looks so slow compared to him. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's clear that Denzel is not the same. So, and I'm sorry that I'm being long-winded. I'm definitely going to, I, I want to be respectful and let you get your, your <laughs> saying in there. So I apologize. <laughs> but the last thing I'm going to say is that I need we needed Denzel to be 100% that game because it was a point of that game where every, it, it, as a, as the number one corner and as a dog, if you a dog yeah. like a, a like that dude at corner, yep. it's gonna come a time where you gotta look at your defensive coordinator and say, "Listen, I know what the game plan is. I know that we supposed to play sides, but this guy's killing us, and right. I have to take him out the game. Either you gotta say that, or your defensive coordinator gotta look at right. you and tell you that. I I got a chance to watch it with Sherm. You know, when when I was in Seattle, Sherm only wanted to play on the left side. That's what he did. But then it came a time when we played these good wide receivers and that and K Rich, Chris Richard, the defensive coordinator would be like, go get him. And mm-hmm. Sharon would then travel because that's what had to happen for us to win right. that game. And I was hoping that that would happen. Now, I understand now why it didn't, because I understand Denzel suffered that injury. Had mm-hmm. he not suffered that injury, I have no doubt in my mind that that would have been the case. How do I know that this happens? Because literally, if you go to the Texans, Stingley, Derek Stingley played, he played the left side the entire year. That's all he did. But Mm -hmm. in this game, he said, I want that assignment on Amari Cooper. Mm -hmm. And that's what you got to do in the playoffs. Shut him down. Yeah. Well, Amari Cooper was a shell of himself. His heel clearly was messed up. We seen that on the, he caught a deep override and he was slow to get up. But still. I just think that those things right there, tells me that we're not where we need to be yet. Now, I think it's a great learning experience for Miles Garrett and for, I can't even call it a learning experience for Denzel because he was hurt. But other guys, Martin, G knew all of these guys that, you know, they come out and say they're the best in the world. And then when we got on the big stage, you kind of lay the egg. So mm-hmm. clearly we got to grow in that department if we want to be better moving forward next year. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's a ton of missed opportunities, right? And I there will always be every year. We're always going to look back and say, well, if that injury didn't happen, well, if they hadn't called that play, well, if they hadn't gone for it there, you know, well, if that penalty penalty would have been called. I mean, that's that is the game. It's 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 just the way that the cookie crumbles. Um, but you know, I think this year and how it ended and the run, the the let's put it this way. The roller coaster of emotion from beginning to end. Browns always keep us on our toes, but this was mm-hmm. different um, for sure. And no one expected, of course, obviously, for them to go as far as they did. So yeah, the the momentum was there, and you know it, it raised a ton. It raised a ton of questions. I think it did. And- I mean, in the in the end, let's let's be real. If we got if we're gonna be real as Browns fans and real football analysts. Like the Browns played with house money this entire season. Like right. once your quarterback goes down and your star running back goes down, yeah. the two main playmakers go down, you really shouldn't win any games. 
And we just fell in love with the fairy tale. I mean, we knew it was how because they we came in and said, I don't know how they're winning these games. They're turning the ball over at a high rate. No, the run game is not there, but somehow, some way, we continue to win these games. And I think finally in the playoffs, all those things that we worried about or all the things that every analyst ever brought up about the Browns started right. to show. And, mm -hmm. you know, we knew Joe Flacco at some point. I mean, it's just been his track record for the past, what, five years. Mm -hmm. At some point, he just falls off a cliff. And, yeah. you know, the, I remember doing a show with a Jets fan and he was like, oh, it's coming. Trust me, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it obviously that happened. I thought it, I thought he got it out of his system when they played Chicago because he had those three picks in the first right. half. But he bounced back. And just this game, it just completely overwhelmed them. But I also think that it's not just on Joe Flacco. I also believe that the fact that both of our tackles was gone finally showed up because mm -hmm. Christian and Hudson had a rough game. I mean, mm -hmm. those D, those DNs, although they're young, those DNs was real. <laughs> they was living in the backfield. I mean, I know mm -hmm. they had a bunch of sacks in that game and it just really wrecked what the Browns were trying to do offensively. And then the last thing is uh, Ronnie Hickman. Obviously, I feel like he had kind of a, a Jared Allen moment where the lights was kind of too bright. Yeah. Because for for and it it alarmed me because for a guy who's played at the Ohio State, go Bucks, he's played in big games, so he knows what big games is like. He also has played in games this season, meaningful games this season, where he even made plays in those games. So I, it just, for me, when I watched him, you know, this past Saturday, he just, I don't know, he made so many mistakes. And what you learn is the difference between college and the NFL. Because in college, you can make a mistake, but you – Talent wise, it's a huge difference. Like you can mm -hmm. make a mistake, but you can you might be so talented that you can make up for those mistakes. Yeah. And in the, in, in the NFL, if you take one false step, that's right. all you really need to do. It's so the 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 room for error is so small in the NFL. And I think he learned that on obviously a big stage. And it's unfortunate that it took that, but I do believe he will be a better player because of that. So mm -hmm. it is it is something like I say, everybody learns something in this out of this. But he his was the most alarming because he he gave up a ton of plays. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, this this does bring up, obviously, as we enter the offseason and uh, definitely just dove right in with, you know, three uh, three um, coaching Pirates. staff gone yeah and not even and it's 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 interesting you know i think the it reeks a little bit of like december browns when the season's over and it's you know the day after the regular season and you know we're expecting them to kind of clean house right yeah. um but this this i think and Josina anderson obviously reported obviously that alex van pelt stump mitchell and tc mccartney were fired um and so also heard that a lot of the players weren't thrilled about a lot of those moves, um, specifically Stump Mitchell. So, you know, what I worry about now, Tavis, well, first of all, I want to get your opinion on why for the, let's start with AVP because how do you fire, how do you fire, what is AVP doing if he's not calling place? All right. I know he was the QB's coach and everything, but is this, 
because of Alex Van Pelt or is this because of Deshaun Watson's <laughs> offense? See, and that's the thing we was we was trying to figure out today. Now, obviously, AVP wants a he wants an opportunity to call plays, and it's not like I think his contract was up too, right? I think this was it. I want to say, yeah, but they said what? Wouldn't they just say like we're parting ways because he's going to go pursue or something? They said they fired him, so it's like what that that's the that's what I'm hanging on to of the why. So, so my thing is. It's so interesting because, and this the only thing that I could come up with is, yes, you've seen this offense work, okay, and and we gotta we gotta really take ourselves back on this. The offense looked really good this year, and Kevin Stefanski, his offense is unbelievable under center. He's like a guru under center, mm-hmm. but your but your quarterback is a, is a guru in the shotgun, mm-hmm. and. Right now, we don't. I'm not saying that Kevin Stefanski is not a not really good at shotgun stuff, but we know his bread and butter is under center. If you need your quarterback to get back to that guy, you got to get somebody in there that understands shotgun. And I think what it does is now instead of just trying to force Deshaun to do something that he doesn't want to do or he isn't strong at, I guess I'm not gonna say mm-hmm. he don't want to do. It. I don't. Right. I don't know that. I'm going to say that maybe that's not his strong suit. He prefers to be in the gun. You got to bring somebody in there that's a shotgun specialist because you got to tailor to your guy. But at the same time, how about putting your Kevin Stefanski's brain with a guy who's really good in shotgun and let's mix this thing together. Let's get the best of both worlds because AVP only sees it how Kevin Stefanski sees it because that's what he's been learned. That's the only thing he's learned for the past four years is how Kevin Stefanski sees things. Mm -hmm. So you bring in another offensive minded coach and let him and Kevin kind of gel and mesh that out and come up with a concept where, Hey, Deshaun, this is what we're going to do. I got you a guru that works in the shotgun. We're going to run some of his plays, but we also going to run some stuff under center because you, you got to finally sit back and watch it in real time that it works. Right. And you're gonna probably we're gonna get a running back. We're gonna get Nick Chubb back. Hopefully he's back to himself. So now that threat of play play action really is a threat because you mm-hmm. got a true running back back there. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the thing that's to me why I think that's the only logical explanation is that you getting a shotgun go depending on who they hire. Like I I I done heard the be enemies. I done heard Kellen Moore. Mm-hmm. I also heard a guy Tim Kelly who he worked mm-hmm. with in Houston. I heard all of these guys, and all of these guys know how to operate our shotgun. Tim Kelly obviously worked with Deshaun in 2019, mm-hmm. so he understands those things. So I think it's about catering to that guy. Also, I said this today. This was a thought of mine's. The, when when did things go completely officially south for Deshaun Watson? When was he done with Houston? What was the last straw? Do you know? Oh, God. The last straw for Deshaun Watson is Houston was when they got rid of the head coach and he requested that they interview Eric Bieniemy, And they completely did mm. not interview. They did not do it at all. And he mm-hmm. said, all right, I'm out of here. Since y'all don't even respect me enough to bring in a guy that I want. So, this is another chance. I'm not saying that that's his preference now. I don't know. Obviously, yeah. it's been it's been a bunch of years, but that is a guy that I think they should look at. He is open, and you know your quarterback wants that. And you and whether you like it or not, you have to tailor to him. So mm-hmm. I think that that's something there where that should be something that should be looked at. Just my thought, though. Yeah. No, and that's interesting because you know I think 
you know, St the play calling Stefanski and him running, he runs that offense. Right. And then when he gets, when he gets rid of the assistant, it's like, or the offensive coordinator, it's like, well, wait a second, you know, you, you running this offense, what is he doing versus what you didn't want to do? And not look, but it's not looking at it that way. It is looking at the, the future of the franchise and the quarterback you invested, obviously a historic amount of money in. Um, and, you know, I, I am all for whatever that's going to take. I mean, <clears throat> you know, Deshaun never really seemed to totally fit with any of the game plan that we had no, all season. Not at all. I mean, yeah, not at he all. just he always just kind of looked out of place, you know, and Flacco comes in and I think, you know, it's not even so much the it's fit the fit, and I'm sure you know of this most than more than most for sure. The fit makes and means so much into what you know what you're gonna run and what you're good at and the, and the type of quarterback you are. I mean, and that's I and even type of player. I mean, look at um, Njoku, you know, like I, I feel like, you know, we had been waiting, we kept, kept saying this, that we've been waiting for him to kind of take off a little bit. And it's finally, he seemed to fit with Flacco and it just soared, you know, and the play calling and just that their, their um, chemistry. And I, I want to see that. I mean, we got this one, everyone always talks, everyone talks about this Ravens game and I get it. It was this one fantastic game that Deshaun, came back and he was heard and he played and then brought him to win in Baltimore. I mean, it was this, it was an amazing game. It was an amazing situation. Um, and I want to believe that, you know, this is what we're going to have, but the, the I, I don't want to forget or get lost that, look, I'm happy that they're making these moves. If that's what it's for, for sure. Um, I know guys are going to be upset when you start to mess up that, uh, that chemistry and that trust coming off of such a, an awesome season, unexpected season where everyone's gelling, everyone's, you know, each other's biggest fans. It's this, it's this great feeling. And now you're kind of getting like, you know, the wind kind of taken out of you a little bit. Um, so, and it's, it's really is, it's changing complete course and you got to get people back on and trust. And I know that the Stefanski trust had grown immensely and he was a big part of why, the team did come together still and still fought every week yeah. and that trust grew with him, which I think is awesome. So it's just, I hope that that is, you know, the move and that we do get someone in here that's going to make Deshaun flourish because at this point, Tavis, we are getting into year three and we still don't know what we really got, you know, like it's, and you, you look at what, you know, the, the Texans and losing to the Texans on Saturday was such a crazy full circle moment because, you know, they traded us their franchise quarterback. They won their division. And now they also beat us in the playoffs, actually really, you know, killed us in the playoffs. And then they have our first round pick next year. And it's just like, man, you know, we, it was like getting slapped uh, back and forth, back and forth. And one more time for good measure. So it's, you want to make sure at this point, and if this is what it is, pulling out all the stops. And I, I love to think about, this was years ago, Colin Coward talking about having standards, because I think it's so true. And I know I bring this up all the time, but it's like, if we want to be considered into those new classes here, then we got to have standards. And if AVP ain't doing it, because it's not going to be the right fit for what we just invested in, then okay, then that then then I'm happy with that move. If that's what that is for. You know what I'm saying? So um. I mean, I, a lot of people just don't think it's a Kevin Stefanski move. Like, you know, and and that's the thing. That well, gets, AVP was, right? 
the firing of him you think was Kevin Stefanski saying we got we got we got to let AVP go? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe. All I know is when I sit back, all right, let, let's let's really dissect this thing, okay? Let, let's because let, I I I'm okay with it. Like a lot of people are upset about this offensive fire. I'm I'm okay with it because, and I'll tell you why. When you look at this season, okay, Joe Flacco started how many games? Six, right? He played mm -hmm. start six, including the playoff game, six. He was four and two of those six games, okay? Mm -hmm. So let's take the four games that he went, okay? So four games out of 18 games. Mm -hmm. Four games out of 18 games, I will tell you, offensively was the reason why they won those games. Mm -hmm. The other... What is that? What, 14 games was all defensively. I thought the defense was the reason why they won a lot of those games. They that defense played lights out. They held guys under 13 points at home, mm -hmm. things like that. With that being said, that means that our offense still wasn't good enough. And I understand that it was a bunch of injuries. But at the end of the day, it's not like they were doing anything right. great to put up points. So that's why I'm like, OK, I, they weren't getting the job done. And then on top of that. I went to OTAs this year, and I watched the one practice where Deshaun looked better than Tom Brady, and I even said it. He looked better than Tom Brady out there. Mm -hmm. Do you know, when I watched that offense in OTAs, it looked nothing like what i seen this season at all. So I think I completely watched a day of practice that never implemented to the season. <laughs> and that's a, that's a huge problem. So I think that's why it's like, well, we got we can't sit here and lie because this whole offseason, all we heard was, oh, wait till you see this offense. Oh, <laughs> it's totally different. We changed everything. And then mm -hmm. we get out there on Sundays and it's still the same. Stuff. Right. It's the same old, same old. So at some point, you got to change it up. It's insanity to keep running the same thing back. If you keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result, they call that insanity. So mm -hmm. I think that's why you have to mix it up. You got to get some fresh minds in there. Also, think about this. And this is, this is small, but it's big to me. Usually when somebody's really that good as a coach, at some point, a team comes and takes them. We want to interview you for OC or we want to interview you for head coach or something like that. I don't recall that happening with any of these coaches. So at some point, you got to get some fresh blood in there. If they were that yeah. good, if they're that good, somebody's yeah, going to find good point. And, and I feel like that never happened with nobody on this staff. So mm -hmm. I, that's why I'm like, I think it's ran its course. It's time for some new, new ideas new mm -hmm. tricks in the playbook and to, to throw some wrinkles. And like I said, you, at the end of the day, it's unfortunate. A lot of people don't want to hear it, but you still got to cater to that $230 million man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look, and obviously, uh, Stavansky's not going to be giving up play calling. I, I don't know how he would at this point. I mean, depending on who they bring in, I guess, but I, I felt like he was more of a head coach this year than he has been since he's gotten here, just of to kind of really taking and commanding that role and being who, you know, we, we wanted him to be as a head coach. And, you know, I just, if they're going to really dissect every piece of this offense, that should also be included. I mean, I, I don't know how, it, how it can, and not to say that that's what has to happen. Um, but it has to be looked at and it has to be considered, especially who they bring in. Um, cause you want to make sure you're doing your due diligence from top to bottom. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I, and I, I hope I don't, <laughs> I'm always like really afraid to be like, I have faith in the organization because I don't like always like I, I don't. So it's, no, I mean, I get it. 
it's hard to when, you know, this, it's hard to get invested when you're, you know, it's a business, but you're a fan and it's, it's a weird, you know, we talk about that all the time of kind of being on that parallel of like working in it and the business and then, but also cheering and being a fan and wanting to believe that they really care about the fans, you know, and I, and that's obviously the Browns care about the fans. I'm just saying where that falls and financially it makes sense, which brings me to the financial piece of Deshaun because his salary. So I don't know like a ton about, I pulled, I got this from the athletic. Um, Cause oh, I don't know like up. a ton of how the contract. Did, did Jason Lloyd write it? Uh, he, I actually don't know if he wrote this one. I think it was Zach Jackson that wrote this one. Maybe oh, he did. He, he's really good as well. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they're like Batman and Robin. They are. They're both very good. Um, but basically talked about Watson's fully guaranteed deal. Of course, his salary cap number for 2024 is scheduled to be $63.9 million. <laughs> that boy's swimming in it, ain't he? <laughs> Let me borrow some. I mean, about the <laughs> easiest way to make that much money in three years is, is here we are. Uh, but so we hold the option to restructure his contract, oh, which would push. To. What's they're that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. To. It's like we've been pushing, we're pushing it off fucking crazy. It's nuts. Um, which if we do and we restructure it um and the ramifications go to future years they'll get around 33 million of space for this offseason um her over the cap the browns have 12.7 million over projected over the projected 2024 cap that's not browns, terrible it's not terrible uh the browns can get themselves on the right side of things through a series of standard offseason moves and restructuring even if they don't rework the watson's contract i don't know if they could really, I don't know how much on the right side if they don't restructure Watson's. I mean, well, you you got to imagine him and Chubb probably will be the restructured pieces. They'll get it like four million from Chubb, and <laughs> they got to get ten million from Deshaun. <laughs> what about um? What do you think about? I know we were paying Amari a pretty heavy chunk. We bringing him back? You think? So I think that that's the question going into this offseason right there. I think that's it's a, it's a valid point because Amari is getting older. And the thing about Amari is as great as he is, he gets dinged up a lot. But he's like but his his dinged up is different than people everybody else's because when he's he gets he's nagging in yeah he's not prone to him though he's not yeah he, he gets he gets snappy. like little little nagging injuries that yeah. he can play through but he clearly ain't himself yeah where to whereas other people get injuries and they like I'm out I can't play that type of thing so that's the difference between that him and everybody else I think this offseason you have to go and acquire another number two wide receiver that can be considered a number one option because I, I think this is Amari's last year on his deal this upcoming season. I think he's got an option or something. Oh, he Maybe. does? I thought he was – I thought this was it. I thought it was only a – I thought year. this was – is this the second – first or second? Didn't it, was, it a, was it two years left on his deal or was it three when they got him? Maybe oh. it was too. <laughs> oh, you know what? No, you no, I think you're right. So okay. In 2024, Cooper will earn a base salary of 20 million yeah, while carrying a cap hit of 23,776,000 and a dead cap value of eleven million three twenty eight. So yeah, oh okay. He getting restructured. Guaranteed at signing. It's 40 million. Yeah, so he'll get a restructure. 
But that I think, but you at this point, like I said, this whole thing, if we trying to figure out if this the two the two hundred and thirty million dollar man gonna be that, you got to get him some weapons. You thought you did it with Elijah Moore, but it just wasn't it. You know what it, a deflation of Elijah Moore. What? I, who you telling? I'm I <laughs> just as bad as you. I sat there and I stamped this man. I don't. Like, next, next, next spring train or spring training? Jesus, next training camp, Tybus. Don't let me fall in love. Okay. Be I, real I, with me and and tell me to tell me no. You know what I'm gonna tell you. in love in July. This is what when the Browns start OTAs and they start posting all them practice highlights. I'm gonna respond to every last sort of with <laughs> Allen Iverson. We talking about practice, like not to get practice. Let, just remind I everybody, including yeah, me. Yeah, I ain't I ain't going for none of that. So there. Um, what a different squad. I mean, you look at it from Greenbrier to the end of this I, year. It's like, wait, what? I mean, it's nuts. So. They I, they on the right path. They just I just feel like they was a receiver off. I just I really do because Elijah Moore. If Elijah Moore was the guy who we saw in them in in OTAs, and that translated to Sundays, then we'd be tell we I think we'd be singing a totally different tune. And I think that's so bad. They wanted to get him. It, they wanted to get him the ball and wanted to get him involved more. But it, it just wasn't working for for whatever reason. Yeah. And, and that was it's kind of like the same thing with him in the Jets. Like it they I feel like they wanted to get him the ball, but for some odd reason, it's just it's not translating. And that that's something that maybe the new OC can figure out. You know, maybe that's something mm -hmm. that he because I because I mean he's obviously gonna be here. I just think he he'd be better served as a three. Like, think about it. If you got Amari Cooper, uh who's a free agent, is Calvin Ridley and Elijah Moore is your three with David Njoku. That's that's a solid wide receiver core, mm -hmm. right? There. You take that every day yeah. of the week, and I think he could thrive. They would be kind of like how the Cincinnati is. They got three really good wide receivers. I think Elijah Moore is a number three wide receiver. He's clearly would be a mismatch all the time because he's when mm -hmm. he's when he's the practice player on Sundays. He's really mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and look, it's 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 the new the off season is always like our Super Bowl and it's nice that it's not necessarily <laughs> our Super Bowl but it is the importance level <laughs> is up but it's changed it's a different type of importance right and it's a different focus and it's we're not rebuilding and you know we we've been on a steady ish path the last since 2020 um not any major drops but certainly not anywhere near we wanted to be and it was a nice um surprise this year and you know it gave everyone a little bit more hope um, but yeah, it, we will look to see, um, you know, what other moves they make this hmm. Cleveland Browns team just, I mean, it was, a it was definitely, oh, what was name me. Right, this is what I want to ask you. Oh, shoot. Give me one word to describe this Brown season. Oh, it was magical. It was a magical season. Oh, uh, I thought the the way that they I said this on the post game show as we wrapped up, it was the way they could make a dollar out of fifteen cent every Sunday was magical, and it's something that they had the right attitude. It's something about refusing to lose. There were so many excuses for them to lose a game, and they ignored them all. And that 
like I said, that has to do with having the right coaches, right head coach first, then having some of the right coaching staff and having the right makeup of players in the locker room. There's so many. We could easily say, oh, we don't have our quarterback. We so we're not good. We're not we're, we don't care if we win or lose. That wasn't the thing. That wasn't the case. It didn't matter what obstacle you put in their way, they found a way to win. And that's that's a special, that's a special breed right there. And to me, that's what made this season so fun to watch. It was like so many things that I'd be as an analyst, I'd be like, man, I don't, they can't keep, they, there's no way that they could keep winning like this. And every yeah. Sunday they they prove me wrong. They still do it. They keep doing it. So it defied all logic. And I just, it was the most fun I had as a Browns fan. It was the one of those seasons that I was proud of. I know it didn't end the way it was it's supposed to, or we wanted it to, but it was still fun to get there and watch and have think every to the point where everybody was like, man, the Browns is dangerous. Mm-hmm. It was like national media finally paid attention to us. So to me, it was a magical season. And I think it was the start of something good to come. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Mine. Um, I, I, it felt, I would say for me, the word, I guess is team. I just felt like they really felt, and felt and looked like a real team i think we've just have dealt with so much um that's what i'm looking for uh just uh, yeah (laughs) an equilibrium you know what i mean like they just never seemed everyone no one was ever on not everybody was always on the same page it just you know at the towards like you know 10 like week eight week nine week 10 is when you know, we'd get a lot of, we'd start hearing, you know, a bunch of shit out of Berea and problems and arguments and, you know, <laughs> just that's, that was just like status quo, you know? Um, and it was the complete opposite when we started to get later into the season. So it just felt like such a team. And if, and if they're, if they're bummed about Stump Mitchell being let go and everything, then uh, honestly, I'm glad that they care because that that's where they need that passion needs to be there. And, uh, it just felt like, and when I think of team and I think of, I think of Dave Najoku, I think he just was my favorite part of this entire end nah, of the season outside J-O- of Flacco. J-O-K was, man, that man. Also, also amazing. He was only listen, one of the, the good uh, <laughs> that way, against Houston. Listen, the way he played in that Houston game. I know. <laughs> My jaw was on the ground. That boy, that boy played the game like like, and it's amazing just to see where he was last year to where he was this mm-hmm. year. That man, it's like he knew. Like mm-hmm. that's the guy that I know he watched film. Like that's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. It is the most. It's the best feeling in the world to be out there and be like, oh, they about to do this and know off the snap where to go. Like, yeah. it is unbelievable. And that's exactly what he looked like. That man, I, I would love, I wish it was a way for public record that I could see how much film he watched this year. That man must have been burning up. You should just tweet him and him. ask him. I'm sure he'll tell you. I'm sure you would respond. Uh, you, I don't have, I ain't got the blue check no more. Uh, uh, what's his, oh. who, who, own, who owns Twitter? Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon Musk took my my check away. So, well, he must he must not be a Browns fan or an orange and orange is orange fan. <laughs> he'll look at me like, who is this peasant? No, because I ain't I ain't paying the five. Yeah, <laughs> hell no, I'm not paying the five. If you hell. ever see me with a blue no. check, just know some company decided to pay it because <laughs> I ain't paying the five. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think what at the end of the day, we were good, not great. We want to be good. We want to be great. We don't want to just be good. And so if these are all the right steps we hope to take, we're we're gonna have a few missteps, obviously. But you know, it's uh we're back to square one. It was a lot of fun doing this again with you, Tyvis, this season and Taj. We uh He's become a Browns fan right before uh He has, he has, but he'll be cheering for the 49ers, I bet, next weekend. Oh, me too. What well, I, I got I got my pack. I'm cheering for the Packers. They used to they used to pay me, so uh, I always cheer for teams that used to pay me. The mm. Texans the Texans paid me for a week. Whoa. Yeah. And the Browns how many, did. How many teams I got? Hold on. And the Browns. <laughs> wait a minute. You wanna, look we're gonna up, we're gonna well, almost hit the whole league here. The Browns <laughs> pay they, the, the Browns currently currently are paying me. Oh yeah, that's my only dog in the fight. It's the 49ers and the Texans. That's it. I would the, love to see the Lions win it all. Yeah, that'd be nice for that city, but uh, we'll see. They, they gotta they gotta be hot Baker right now. Yeah, he's feeling oh, dangerous. Big show. He's feeling dangerous. Feeling dangerous. This well, is serious. <laughs> make you delirious. You should have a healthy fear of us, cause too much of us is dangerous. We so dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you had my shoulders going. That might 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 need to be part of our new uh, open there, Taj, or you know, stick that in there after Jim Donovan. Put that Buster Bus in there. Oh boy, my brother met Buster Rhymes on a plane last year, or get boarding a plane, and he was wearing like this massive fur coat. My brother sent me this picture. A man, he aged. He got old. It is Buster a sad Rhymes. state of affairs. <laughs> Busta's looking busted. It was sad. He can, but he still can spit his flow. That's the thing. Still, I know. Man. He did his um what song is he on with Chris Brown and he does that like crazy. Look at me, look at me yeah. now. He just so he like, like redid it. He was on some radio station and did it live. Like it was nuts just this past year. So Yeah, he still got it. Huh? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back. I I don't know exactly when, but we will be back soon to talk about the next latest uh, set of moves from your Cleveland Browns. Um, thanks to everyone who listened to us this season. Anyone that came back, anyone that's new. Um, we certainly had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, let's hope that we're doing this even longer next year. Oh, we will be. Once we get the night the right head, our offensive coordinator, we'll be back. All right. You said it. Your lips. Go Browns. Go Browns. <laughs> <laughs>